Nobody cared who I was until. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Welcome once again aboard Beef Station for another week. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. I am Andrew. How you doing, boy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm lying flat. And that's... And Being that's topped by Oscar. <laughs> no, I... Uh, Andrew, in the oldest move ever, <laughs> sneezed too hard and has literally thrown his back out. So we're doing we're doing the uh, the podcast from the med bay this week. This has never happened to me before. <laughs> And I, I hope next time, instead, I just sneeze my brain out through my head and I just die <laughs> because this has been awful. Well, you said it's happened to other family members of yours as well, right? So I guess piss weak sneezing just roll, runs in the family. So, okay, yes. I followed this story up. My mum and dad have <laughs> both slipped discs in their back leading to like chronic sciatic nerve pain. And we, I thought my dad sneezed and did it, but it turns out that he had the flu and was like racked with a heaving cough for months on end. And this is boring. Yeah, right. If, if this doesn't end with something funny and not just my parents have chronic back pain, I'm going to be very upset. No, just like they, so they, they basically blew a small bit of cartilage out of their back, which means that it like, was like, <laughs> yeah, no, they, they, they were like, honey, I think you should leave it. No, I'm trying to get it out. <laughs> they were like. And like a and a disc just like popped out and pressed on the nerve in the in their spine, which is why it causes pain. But apparently, most people <laughs> that happens to can't tell when it happened. They just sort of start feeling a lot of soreness or whatever. For me, I sneezed and boy, like, I fucking instantly knew something was wrong. <laughs> did you it was like drive home after that. Yeah, I Jesus. did, and I had to carry my heavy ass backpack with all my work shit in at home, like to the car and the, oh, <laughs> it was. Awful. The, I, I genuinely w- sat after I sneezed and then f- w- was like 50 meters away from a cafe and I sat on the nearest bench that I possibly <laughs> like, could, just hunched over thinking, I don't know what to do. Like I'm going to have to live the rest of my life on this bench. I called three people about what to do because <laughs> I didn't know... Like I was like, should I not move? Should someone... Does someone need to come pick me up? Or like, <laughs> am I... Is, will it just... Go away in an hour or whatever. No. <laughs> I was bedridden for a few days. And the few days that Andrew is bedridden, we are in the midst of right now. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's not been good. Um, had, a, <laughs> had, a reasonably, had a reasonably big weekend planned. And uh, <laughs> that's all gone. So, uh, what did you boys watch this week? Mm, stay tuned and find out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. This is going to be a, a bit of an experiment this week. Um, it's going to be a weird one. <laughs> yeah. Start off with a bit of news this week. I've only got a little bit. We'll see we'll see how far that takes mm. us. Ready? I am ready. Beef Bulletin. Big Sick Riders, Emily V. Gordon and Kamel Nanjiani. What are they sick with? They threw out their backs because they're this week. Um uh, Big Sick Writers, Kamel Manjani and Emily V. Gordon are, are developing a half-hour anthology series for Apple exclusively. Mm. Um, That's for their new streaming service or whatever bullshit. Yeah, exactly. We don't really have very much else about it. I think I saw somewhere else on like a different <laughs> site that I've since closed and lost that it's going to be something about like uh, immigrants or like American immigrant stories, right? Uh, which could be cool. Uh, once again... 
come out on that journey, resting on the laurels of his real life. No, I'm <laughs> look, looking forward to seeing it. I love that guy. Yep. Uh, and that's the first headline I've got for today. <laughs> Excited Second to see headline. the next one. I'm going to try and um, smash the... We're all trying to smash, dude. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so... It's all really after, brother. I'm going to do a little portmanteau for you and see. <laughs> so I'm going to doctor this headline a bit and see if you can get what's going on. All right. There's a new, there's a new Greekquel coming out. Okay. A sequel to My Big Fat Greek Wedding. <laughs> uh, no, a sequel, a Greekquel, if you will, called Summer Loving, which is going to be oh. a prequel to Greece. Another thing that. No one was asking for. What if they just get? What if they just get John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John to be in it? Like these old fucks now trying to do the same dance moves. Be great if they cast John Travolta and Olivia Newton as like their characters' parents. <laughs> yeah, be right. You know what? I'd probably I'd watch that. Have you watched? You know, Hairspray, the movie of the musical that came out. I think that's a good movie. You remember how John Travolta was her mum? <laughs> You remember that? <laughs> it was funny. I feel like that does not get talked about <laughs> at apparently, all. Apparently, that's a tradition in productions of Hairspray that the mother character is it's played by a dude. Right. Okay. <laughs> it's a tradition that the mother character is played by um, <laughs> John Travolta. Yeah. Very, very strange. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I don't, I don't know how much we give a shit about that film. I feel like people will have a good vibe of I, yeah, <laughs> my think, levels of care. I think my, I think my portmanteau is... Uh, well, well worth a while. Greek wool was Greek very wool. good, Oscar. Thank you. Thank you for bringing up that news story. Just so I'm that glad I that you got the, the opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's going to be written by John August, who wrote Big Fish. So that'll be all right. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh shit! So it'll be like a weird. That was a good. Yeah. That was a very <laughs> like good a weird screenplay. Dark indie <laughs> take on Fuck summer. Yeah. <laughs> that would be really cool. I'm way more inclined to see it than the original fucking bullshit movie. Uh, here's another little. Um, Grease sucks, <laughs> by the way. And if this made you angry to listen to, summer love my ass, mate. <laughs> uh, so we thought that uh, production of Bond 25 is well and truly on the way and they're shooting and everything. Wrong. Phoebe Waller-Bridges reportedly called in to work on the script. So like... Who is that? Uh, oh, you know your face. Phoebe Bridges. I think that... Uh, no, no, Phoebe Waller-Bridges. She's uh, like a British actress. She's done theatre stuff recently. Most recently, she's most famous for playing the feminist, anarchist, revolutionary robot in uh, Solo. But she's like a well-respected actress in her own right. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so well, there you go. that character was incredibly annoyingly written, so, so let's, hopefully let's she didn't write more it. more of that! <laughs> <laughs> Great idea. Very poorly written. But, okay, so she's been... <laughs> Brought on to write it? To polish up the script or Has something. she got I much don't know. writing credentials? Uh, yeah, she's written um, some stuff, yes. Yeah, she's cool. written stuff. <laughs> now. I don't know what else she's written, man. I've seen her, I've seen her, her, her name in, in, in print before. In news articles about the latest Bond film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you heard about it. If I were listening to this Fuck podcast, <laughs> I would, would be, be tearing my fucking hair out, man. <laughs> and guess what? Unfortunately, I am listening to this podcast. <laughs> All right. And I'm also paralyzed and can't run. <laughs> All right, future Oscar, pause for a sec. We'll roll the elevator music and we'll be back and we'll tell you who the fuck Phoebe Waller-Bridge is. One of us is on it.
Okay, we're back. Okay, yeah. so she's she has she has much more of an acting presence than a writing presence. I can't really see yeah, much no, look, that she's I don't know, man. That she, she's written on. Recently, she released a series that was created and written by her called Fleabag, that is apparently very good. Oh, okay. um, oh now well I feel received. like I've heard good things about that. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, nothing to do with James Bond necessarily, but there you go. Yeah. All right. Um, next one. Sure. This is a this is a headline from Screen Rant, so it'll be great. Scrant. <laughs> Scrant. Live action Lion King is not a shot for shot remake. Promises director. <laughs> like, oh god, no, please. <laughs> I swear. But you fucking know that he's going to be like, nah. We we made like it's got at least twenty minutes of new content in there. It's like, yeah, cool, dude. Is it a new storyline or what? No. Fuck off! Yeah, this 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 time, this time the warthog becomes king of Pride Rock. Yeah, or or some shit. Like I've seen, I've seen a shot that is a shot for shot remake from this movie. <laughs> that so, could be tributes. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. It was a John, long ass John Favreau pinky promises that he's not just uh, redrawing every frame from the original original Lion yeah, King movie. Well, yeah, I think I need it. I need it. A slightly bigger promise than that, mate. Um, new Star Wars trailer came out. Star Wars mm. Episode Nine, the final film allegedly in the Skywalker saga. The title's now, been announced. It's called Star Wars. Finals in series. Famously, places to start things. Places for <laughs> character arcs to rise. Oh, no. right? <laughs> so, so, so sorry. The title, what was the title is called again? The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, that's weird. Because this is the famously. End of the Skywalker. It makes complete sense, man, because the original, like, number six, which was going to be the end of the series, um, was called Return of the Jedi, and that's like a return, like a rise. And oh, so they're going to make a prequel to the prequels, and it's going to... Oh, we don't know, man. Yeah, we we don't know. no idea. Weird title, but, you know, whatever. No, it can rise. It can be like, you know, the movie could end with, like, uh, oh, look at this this Skywalker thing. That's like a new thing, and it's like a happy ending because the galaxy's going to be restored to peace because the Skywalkers are back. Or oh, I don't know. Who knows? We'll, we'll never know. Right. It's also supposed to create a bit of intrigue and mystery. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Rumor is that Emperor Palpatine might be returning um, because it's his voice. <laughs> You've seen it, have you? Because uh, it's his voice um, that you sort of hear in the new trailer. The new trailer is kind of exciting. Looking forward to it. I, I think that these it. core Star Wars films have been very good mm. of late. I think that I mean the episodes are very good. I think Solo is a bit of a misstep, but uh, Rogue One I thought was great. Yeah, I really like like most of the new canon yeah. ones and Rogue One. I thought Seven was a bit of a weird kind of like rip off of New Hope to start off with. But Eight was great. Yeah, yeah, really, really good. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with this one, and it's going to be. I would give it a great out of eight. <laughs> and it's going to be like a, a big tie together of the whole Star Wars saga so far before um, Old Man Looper comes in to do his trilogy, apparently. Ryan Johnson. Rian. Don't correct me. No, I was, I was stretching. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rian! <laughs> <laughs> I think it came off. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I think it actually is Ryan. Whatever. <laughs> okay, here's, here's one last headline for you, boy. Hit me. <laughs> According to Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker did not die a virgin. <laughs> now. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> Hamel, I'm what really, was this in response to? <laughs> I'm reading straight from the screen right here, not to surprise you. Hamill has obviously Hamill, Hamill obviously has to be tight-lipped about about his involvement in Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. Hey, you know what else is tight-lipped? Apparently, Tauntauns. <laughs> not Luke Skywalker, <laughs> the little tramp. Because um, uh, obviously he died at the end of the last film. Uh, he's not, he has no problem <laughs> replying. Spoilers spoiler like a Star Wars. from the blue. <laughs> <laughs> he had no problem replying to Lila Sturgis when she asked on Twitter about Luke's virginity. When asking whether or not his character died a virgin, Hamill replied, "You can make up your own backstory. It's undetermined, but the one I've made up for myself is no." <laughs> Which is wild because the only woman we live the only in woman the weirdest times <laughs> that we've that seen <laughs> ever existed, man. <laughs> the only woman we've ever seen, uh, Luke be intimate with in Star Wars films is obviously his sister. Yeah. So there's that. Or And um, that'll really set a bad precedent. <laughs> or they didn't or he wasn't really thinking back back then. And he's been asked to come back for these seven, eight, nine movies. Yeah. Um and he's been like, I'm gonna have to imagine my own backstory. I reckon after Luke you returned know as a Jedi I definitely fucked. He really fucked. Oh. <laughs> he rooted Slept. At absolutely at least <laughs> once. Slept his way around half the galaxy. Have you yeah. seen those blue Twi'leks? Mm. Oh baby. Yeah. Luke's had every last Very good. one of them. It's <laughs> incredibly strange that like imagine at the end of the 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 original trilogy. Yeah. Like as an adult watching that movie and then someone like zaps in front of you and just <laughs> says in 2019 Mark Hamill who is what 70 now? Yeah. At least something like that. Is going to clarify that Luke did fuck. Fuck <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, he <laughs> fucked in 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 Mark Hamill's own head canon because don't it's never actually been clarified. Don't you say that? On or uh, off screen. Don't you say that Luke Skywalker is just a big dumb version? Because oh boy, man, it would be really funny if they issued like an official correction that actually he did, and that's why he had such strong Jedi powers. <laughs> like if you fuck it, like <laughs> it like weakens it, like, them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like every woman is an unintentional succubus for <laughs> for Jedi powers. <laughs> yeah, but what about in the movie, mate? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, this riff is hurting my back. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That Jesus was, Christ. <laughs> that was the news for the week. Next year, we're going to find out how big his dick is. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> you ever wonder what the real lightsaber is? <laughs> Pretty lightsaber, if you ask me. Look, <laughs> <laughs> uh, stop playing with it. Yeah, but it. why does the jizz stop though? Wouldn't it just keep going forever? <laughs> you shouldn't be able to see it. How's <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that for a laser <laughs> semen joke? <laughs> That's very good. Thanks, boy. <laughs> One last question: In a hypothetical of like, would you, in order to do you think that having the sound of a lightsaber extending happen when you spoof is like the thing that you have to have compromise or the thing that you get but something bad has to happen to you? I mean, I don't think I'd be able to deal with that because I wouldn't want to have to listen to that noise for three minutes yeah. on the end. Imagine explaining that. <laughs> Very good. Um. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Imagine. Can you imagine? What if that happened? 
<laughs> Welcome to the forgotten episode of Beef Station. Yeah, it's just, it's, <laughs> it's going to be in the hole that episode one Woo! died in. <laughs> if you're listening to this in 2025, when we release it as a bonus episode, what did you guys talk about this week? Oh, uh, recorded broke. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Great. <laughs> Welcome back, all my, on. <laughs> welcome back to all my colleagues and relatives have skipped to this portion of the podcast. <laughs> Started here. Don't worry about it. Ugh. No, don't skip back. Don't skip back. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so that was the news. Excellent. Very good. <laughs> That's all I got. The only other little thing here I saw is that there's a John, John Wick 3 is obviously coming out soon. Uh, he's got a dog. And there's a, been a little clip here that's confirmed that nothing bad happens to the dog in John Wick 3. Great. Which is good, but you know, also like, obviously, the dog's gonna die. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, maybe if they say that it doesn't, then hopefully they promised, man. Yeah, they they already played with my heart once. If they do it again, they're just <laughs> gonna lose me completely. <laughs> All right, well, before we dive into for beefness or pleasure for another week, mm. uh, I've got a little segment here that was suggested by a friend of the show, Patrick. Oh yeah. I think you've um <laughs> working title at the moment <laughs> is Rate My Meat. Oh we're going with that one, are we? Okay. <laughs> I stand for a suggestion and that's the best he gave me. So. There, were con- <laughs> there were consultation meetings before that. <laughs> and I wasn't told of the outcome of those consultations. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently That's what we're going with. It's rate with. my mate. <laughs> Alright, so um this is website, it's kinda like Goodreads. Or like any of those other websites where you can go and like catalog books you've read, movies you've watched, and you can write your little reviews of them, right? Yep. So there's this there's this user on Letterboxd, which is a similar similar kind of concept of website, user created reviews, uh, but for films. This dude has reviewed four thousand three hundred films. That's now that's an or impressive maybe number. Maybe he's watched four thousand three hundred films, and he's got a shitload of reviews as that's well. That's an impressive number, regardless of what it pertains to. If I hear a number starting with four, followed by the word <laughs> thousand, I'm in. <laughs> and I'm not gonna lie, most of this guy's reviews are weird, controversial opinions on films that we would often consider. <laughs> often, you would have thought that our our the common consensus about these we films. <laughs> So, I'll try and skip over the, the more birth of a nation-y parts of this right, review. let's. But, <laughs> here we go. Um, so, what's this review for? I'm going to see if you can guess what this review is for. Well, I just saw it on the screen. So no, I've, cha- I've, pull up another I've one. changed it. Okay, good. <laughs> um, the previous one, if anyone's wondering, was for 2001 A Space Odyssey. Which you gave half a star. Out of? Five. Oh. <laughs> so, here's one. This is the review for a film that came out in 2010. He's given it five stars. Excellent. He's reviewed it just just last March. 2010. So. I fucking like... Yeah. I like the idea of having a guess a review based on... Or guess the movie based on the review. Okay. So, here we go. Especially with this guy. Okay. I'm just going to power through. Okay. This review... My God. Yeah. Don't show me. As a continuation of my claims made here about Kubrick being one of the first to make nihilism mainstream... I briefly considered later about film noir being Edge a possible tomorrow. predecessor. From what I know from that genre, Looper. it probably depends on the type. <laughs> Let me get through a sentence. <laughs> I'll give you like a... Okay. I'll, I mean, I'll look at you. Because okay? <laughs> yeah. I don't want to hear a hundred film titles before I get through this. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's <laughs> Chest. Pirates of the Caribbean 2. Pirates of the Pirates Caribbean, Caribbean 3. <laughs> from what I know from Birth that... Birth of a Nation. <laughs> okay, 
okay. From what I know of this genre of film noir, it probably depends on the type, usually ones by Europeans like Dimitri and Tonnier, though they're technically French-Americans. This is supposed to be light taxi driver. The thing is, what I say about Kubrick bringing it to the mainstream is that he has an entire publicity around him. He starts looking. He started as a look magazine photographer. His films are very high-grossing and Oscar-nominated. I've got to say, this review has nothing to do with Stanley Kubrick, the film. Right. Not a Stanley Kubrick film. Yeah, but is is he saying like there's precedent? It's very hard to follow his trains of thought. Kubrick's yeah, Kubrick's <laughs> Kubrick's films are very high grossing and Oscar nominated. The film noir was a common genre in the 40s and 50s, but not the highest grossing and weren't too successful at the Oscars. <laughs> the highest of grossing during those times were propaganda pictures, Walt Disney, and things that involved sex controversy, as well as the classic epics. 2001, on the other hand, was one of the highest grosses for 68. Noirs weren't high grosses; they were prominently mainly as Euro, Euro influenced genre when the German let. F- when the German-fled directors started pushing their overtones, they were cheap and easy to make, but they weren't box office attractions. I think the first American noir could be considered Fritz Lang's second movie in America from 1937, You Only Live Once. I'm going to skip this stuff about, <laughs> stuff about film My noir. My soul is glazing over. <laughs> <laughs> like my third eye the- has a thousand-mile stare. I'll, 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 I'll read <laughs> the last paragraph. Okay. Am I making you upset? I know many of you reading this probably. <laughs> Am I making you upset? <laughs> I know many. I know many of you reading this probably love Kubrick. I'm not trying to make this make, make this conflict in you. In fact, I don't even know why I'd even make this all about Kubrick, like he's a sole influence or any ideology, since I already believe that people are genetically predetermined to think those things. If they were born with a personality like a Kubrick around the same time as a Kubrick, then they wouldn't think like a Kubrick. Kubrick being around and being the one that made film about it doesn't change a thing. Despicable Me, five stars. Is that about Despicable <laughs> Me? <laughs> this dude's crazy, man. Is it was it was that was about Despicable Me? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't about Despicable Me. No. At any point in that review, did he mention the film <laughs> no. Despicable Me? No. I think he's written three reviews about a space odyssey, and I think maybe he wasn't allowed to write any more. So his so thoughts about Kubrick just it over into <laughs> Despicable Me. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> All right, I, I want to go with this. I'm going to read a a film that I'm looking at on Metacritic that it was hi- highly critically acclaimed. Came out in the last three years. <laughs> now, I want you to see if you can guess which film it is based on only me reading out Red reviews, so that's a three or below out of ten. <laughs> okay, yeah, I like that. All right. First one, absolute trash. Second one, a boring romantic movie which has a really nice makeup but a romance story where you can see everywhere. This is also a fetish film, <laughs> so do not watch it unless you are a furry or something. Oh, fuck. Shrek? No. <laughs> <laughs> a fetish film. Fuck. Okay, now next uh, one. Mother of God, where do I start? Almost <laughs> fell asleep even trying to watch this shit show. A movie about... Uh, what's next? A movie about another woman trying the peanut butter trick with a golden retriever? <laughs> 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 it was better to not have an Academy Award this year. <laughs> oh, Academy Awards. No story, no new idea, stereotypical. A terrible year for the world of cinema. Is this if Beale Street could talk? No. no. 
The, the furry thing is the greatest indication we've got thus far. Oh, right. The furry thing. I somehow already forgot about the furry thing. This movie is seriously overrated. There is no denying the striking visuals from dingy apartments to dreamlike underwater scenes. The cinematography is beautiful. That gets the movie a one. Unfortunately, the plot is thin as water and the pace is leaden. The story of the film is oh, twice shape of, as long. It's shape of water. As, yes, shape of yeah, water. Shape of water. <laughs> I mean, I reckon uh, <laughs> fetish film is probably fair. <laughs> you reckon? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, the amount of people that are just mad that it's a woman fucking a fish is <laughs> really good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how about this one? This is a film we've definitely heard of. came out in 2010. Uh, Despicable Me. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's all I got. No, um, <laughs> came out in 2010. Uh, kind of an actiony kind of film, I suppose. All right. Um, funny how people think complex equals it's smart and intellectual. This movie was a big bag of hot wind. Matrix is way better. Oh, okay. I walked out was gibberish, diarrhea. Any critic who likes this movie loses all credibility with me. <laughs> I didn't like it. First and foremost, the audio was horrible. I went and talked to the manager of the theater, and he said they were getting a lot of complaints and said it's just they just got a new sound system last month. One of the few movies that had me nodding off to sleep. If you ask me what this movie was about, I honestly could not tell you. I think I understood one sentence that was coming out of Ken uh, Wanatanaba's mouth. I would not recommend this movie. I, I've got an idea of what it might be. This movie was just talky, boring nonsense that made me want to gouge out my eyeballs. Listen is how you feel. <laughs> while, everyone, <laughs> while everyone around me seemed or pretended to understand the plot of this piece of crap, <laughs> I sat there trying like hell to just understand what the fuck was going on. I think if Who everyone also- around you is like understanding <laughs> it and you're sitting there being like, why are you all pretending you understand this movie? <laughs> you're probably no one just a fucking you. idiot. Yeah. Also, who are these people? What agency do they work for? And the plot line between the main character and his wife utterly contrived crap I had no preconceived notions but a lot of optimism about this movie and I feel very let down okay is it Mission Impossible <laughs> not any of the Mission Impossible. No, you're, you're reasonably close but no it's, it's uh, more more unintelligible than Mission Impossible okay. Inception? <laughs> yeah? Inception. Yeah. yeah it's Inception. What agency are they from? What do you mean? <laughs> They're all like they're just criminals. <laughs> They're from the crime agency. <laughs> this is a review within a review that's trapped inside another review. Only a defibrillator <laughs> can release the real score within my subconscious. So I improvised and reconstructed a score of zero based upon my memories of other movies like <laughs> Glitter, Ishtar, and My Giant. Nice. Very good. <laughs> What would you very, give that review out of 10? Very good. I actually think that's a 10 out of 10 funny review. No, I'd give it an 8. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Um, depending on how much of that goes left on the cutting room floor, listener, yeah. that's our first go. What is going to be called okay. uh, Rate My Meat? The original. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, take it, let's get rid of all of it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're going to get on to the main event, which this week is just for beefness or pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, listeners. We don't have a no a, beefness. No, only pleasure this week. <laughs> Depending on who you ask, <laughs> Andrew. Well, luckily we're not asking the listeners. <laughs> have you got any beefness or pleasure? I do. For us? 
So I've been going in on The Sopranos. Um, I've never seen it before. Yeah. I think a lot of people... Oh. Well, this, this is going to be a long episode. <laughs> no, no, like I've, I've never... This isn't a rewatch. I've never... This is my virginal viewing. Um, oh, baby. So I've never... Yeah, never seen it before. Never really heard anything. Um, I, this was... Sure. The reason why I kind of got into it was because a lot of people said like... Um, you know oh, it's how great. Oh, we know, but like you know how um, Breaking Bad, like Vince Gilligan, the format of Breaking Bad kind of broke the the TV <laughs> format <laughs> by like having a consistent arc where characters didn't. It was more like a film in the yeah, sure. the the, the storyline arc is over the whole series rather than like each episode iteratively happening, starting and ending in much the same place. Yeah, but apparently The Sopranos kind of did that first, and it was far more of a mold breaker than <laughs> Breaking Bad was. So that was what, what really interested me in it. Yeah, okay. Um, Do you think it's aged very well then? Yeah, I think it has actually. I think it's really good. Uh, so it came out originally in like the 90s, right? Yeah, it was 99 through to 2007. There are six seasons. So I think similarly to Breaking Bad, at least, um, based on the number of seasons, yeah. I think they probably didn't just want it to keep ticking over into oblivion. They had kind of a like a start and end point. Do you know anything about the final episode of uh, The No, Sopranos? I don't know anything about it. Oh, it's famous, man. Genuine, you're you're going to get know, to the I've, ending. I've missed all of it. The way that it ends, you're going to get to it be like, oh. I oh. know it's very polarizing. Uh, yeah. But yeah. And the thing is, like, even looking it up for this episode is a fucking minefield, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Because I Googled a minor character to see who the actress oh, was. They'd be like, how Jonathan dies. And oh, it was whatever. literally yeah. like, you, you, the Google drop downs. I need to find a way to like mute certain <laughs> words in Google predictions because I, I, if it's like death, I just never want to see it. <laughs> it doesn't, yeah, yeah. So like, I already know that one character that is definitely still in and important in the series dies. Yeah, you're fucked, man. Yeah. So I can't Google anything about this, but I, I, I'm on the, um, yeah. I'm on the Thank you for giving it a good old try just for Beef Station. So what's your best introduction or way of describing the show for listeners? You've either never seen it or you've probably seen all of it. So the idea is it follows um, the Soprano family, um, predominantly Tony Soprano, who's kind of the patriarch of the the family. Okay. Um, And he is, I guess, in probably his late 30s, early 40s, and he's in the Mafia. So that's and that's in America, not in, <laughs> and that's obviously. a criminal organization. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so he's not like yeah, he's he's Italian American, but like, sure. um, it's a really that that's a really interesting aspect of the series is is seeing the the Italo American cultural kind of norms and and all that type of stuff. Okay. So he is kind of, I guess you'd call it middle management um, for like his area it's it's really tough it doesn't really give you like a um a particularly strong overview in with exposition of like the structure of the family or anything so you you hear names thrown around but they don't really hand it to you on a silver platter it's just that sometimes he says like oh this person's in town you know um this is a pretty important meeting or like you can't say that to someone like that or like it doesn't fucking matter whether or not you agree with it. You just got to do what this guy says and that's how you kind of... So is it a bit sort of good fellasy and like the drama between characters and that? Is it that kind of dramatic and intense? It's... No, it's more... It's much more realistic with its... it, it And there's, there's very little melodrama. Okay. So like I think a good way to illustrate that is through like the main plot device of at least I think the first and second season... Um, I just started the third, so I'm not sure if it keeps going. Yeah, okay. But um, 
Yeah. So he, you find out kind of a lot of what goes on in, or it 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 reconsiders a lot of what goes on in Tony's meeting. Tony is the main character. His meetings with his therapist. And it's a big deal that he's going to see a therapist. One, because like one, a couple of the ways that it hasn't aged well is like, um, the <laughs> the idea of like um, psychologists and uh, psychiatrists still being like kind of hated and distrusted, like <laughs> kind of like they're fucking witches, you yeah. know. But it's a big deal that he's going to uh, a psych and he needs to keep it under wraps because it's a massive sign of weakness and people just kind of don't. Don't go. Don't seek mental health treatment um, in these kind of circles. Yeah, yeah. So on top of that, he's also telling, arguably, telling her things that could get people killed or arrested. That's a cool device. Yeah, and so he needs to protect himself from that, and it's a very well kept secret. But it's one of those things where, like, it's a secret, but people talk, and it sort of ends up leaking, and like, it. So no one knows for sure because they never see him doing it, but people kind of it's talked about enough that people kind of mention it and it becomes this like unspoken secret um so yeah it's really it's it's really interesting but i guess the main overarching plot is that he lives with his he, he lives with his family so he lives with his wife and their children aj and meadow and the the really interesting parts <laughs> Meadow, of the series, what kind of hippie ass <laughs> name is yeah, that for a it's interesting. kid um and he so like He's dealing with all of his kind of like um, middle management, organizational mafia crime level stuff. So he's like, um, you know, th- that ranges between kind of like following up people for racketeering money and like making sure that union connections are still good and like um, ensuring that if anyone from rival families kind of steps on their turf, they follow it up and whatever. It's yeah. Really classic like what you think of like Grand Theft Auto kind of like mafia shit. (laughs) And uh, also like managing his family. Like there's an entire episode in uh, either the first or second season that's... um, Parent-teacher interviews. Yeah, and Meadow like applying for different uh, university colleges. Yeah, and and so like he has to take her around and then... Oh, you know, you've you've talked about this one on the show before, yeah. Yeah, so like it's... And he's got like a gun or he's he's chasing down someone at the same time. Yeah, he sees someone and he has to hunt them down. So like he's got to manage those two things. Um, And uh, yeah, I think it's just a really... um, a really interesting kind of slice of life perspective of someone that, that lives that way. Yeah, okay. But what's... What's starting to become really compelling about it is that it, it is one of these series where it doesn't just carry on. Like, characters die off. Things change permanently. Um, there's kind of... They're starting to introduce... You know how, like, in if you've seen Breaking Bad, you'll know what I'm talking about. Is but that like, what you'd mostly, like, tonally relate it to? Is, like, a Breaking Bad kind of thing? As it's well? about... Breaking Bad is kind of funny and dramatic and intense at times. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, it's... It, what What's compelling about it is that you know that this cannot... That this this way of life is yeah. not sustainable. It's not indefinite. And so you're waiting for everything to kind of implode. Yeah, you, it, and it's that constant like sense that things are about to start unraveling. That's where the tension in the series comes from. Oh man! Well, and I, so like the first season is mostly kind of establishment with a couple of complications. The second season sort of follows up on those complications and shows them like interlinking whatever. And like th- that's where I'm getting to now, mm-hmm. which is like. Things are things are starting to fray at the edges. Like he's lost some some really key people. Um, so the new people that he's got doing stuff, he doesn't necessarily trust. And yeah, um, 
he's got pressure coming from like law enforcement and from rival families and from his family and from like just all, all all directions and it's like seeing him deal with that stuff and trying to like actually exist as a human being that's not that doesn't like <laughs> completely lose his touch with reality as well um and just being like depressed and anxious and that type of stuff is a really interesting kind of thing to throw in on that character that's cool. Yeah. So I you, guess would you recommend considering that it's gonna be a bit of a fuck around to go in on for any listeners, like you might have to go buy DVDs or something. Do you reckon it's worth it? Yeah, I do. I think so. Um it's it's wildly popular and I think that it hasn't it sort of occupies so like for instance, something like the West Wing was very popular in its time and I understand why. But I think that nowadays it's sort of aged a bit poorly, like the writing isn't isn't super crisp or um, you know, the the ideas that are the ideas that it relies on as kind of being sensible aren't necessarily, don't necessarily hold up because we're very disillusioned now. But I feel like this occupies a social space that people aren't familiar enough with for it to not feel like it's aged well. Because okay. you've never been around a mafia family. And but it feels kind of realistic. It feels yeah, it really realistic does. in the way you might imagine that it would be. Yeah. Interesting little thing that I don't think it's highlighting, but that it, um, it certainly is changes the, the the interactions of the characters. The internet was only just coming about and so no one had smartphones or anything. Yeah. Um, no one had smartphones or anything. So, like, often there's a lot of use of, like, pay phones to swap information and, like... Oh, that's um, cool. Like, corded phones when, like, so, you know, something someone will really need to get in contact with someone but their phone's just ringing off the hook. <laughs> and I feel like you just can't... That doesn't happen anymore because it's, like... Maybe they've left their mobile somewhere, but that feels like a bit of a hack device because no one ever does that. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you know, well, I feel, it reminds me of like watching si- old Seinfeld or Friends episodes where there might be gags about answering machines and shit like that. Yeah, where like I wonder if anyone actually understands those gags anymore. Yeah, probably not. Just like little tiny little things about like the logistics of how phone lines yeah. used to work. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny how much of little episodes and things just take that totally for granted. Like I wonder yeah. what forty years from now people are going to look back on from like shit set in our time be like what the fuck's that little device everyone's holding or something like that the most out of touch thing was that like I, don't, I, I might have talked about this on the pod before but you remember how um, back in the 90s you remember how back in the 90s <laughs> meth was a party drug <laughs> do, you, do you remember that no okay so like when meth first, meth meth is like this this notorious like heroin-esque killer has only been about for like the last maybe 20 years or so before that um, it was pretty much just a party drug people didn't realize just how fucked sure? up it is yeah because there's an episode in this where well not because of this but it's funny how much that's reflected by this there's an episode where meadow does meth <laughs> to like help just help her relax meth just and to pick her up genuinely like so tony ends up finding out or she's honest with him about it because like he's honest with her about something and they do like a little trust building thing where she tells him something and her thing is like i did math (laughs) only once and it was just kind of like to we thought it would help us study but then it didn't really you know like it wasn't great and he's like well okay (laughs) (laughs) so like fuck really fucking meth it's man parents are way cooler back in the 90s yeah yeah so I, i'd say that was the most like <laughs> of its time thing i i came across as it i was like how is the fact that the daughter did meth not a, not a bigger focus of this episode oh that yeah, rocks. it's funny 
That All right. Absolutely wrong. So I've been going in on that. I watched, uh, I forced my partner to watch both Blade Runner films. <laughs> oh, God. How did that go? Uh, yeah, she liked them. I think I've said before, Blade Runner 2049 is, I think, my favorite film. It's such a good movie. Yeah. It's fucking, boy, does it hold up when yeah. you rewatch it. Um, and I think that. I really want to like do a proper. <laughs> I feel like if I do an episode on it, or if we do an episode on it, I need to prepare and have like <laughs> study notes. What I, I feel like I I don't want to talk about that movie like off the cuff. I need to kind of like no, let's just get it over and done with now. Go on. Meditate <laughs> on it. No, I won't. I won't do it. So I don't know. Yeah. Um. I love those movies, especially the second one. I think. Um. Denis Villeneuve is is a. Just a, an incredible director. I'm very excited for the Dune movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'm also <laughs> and that Alien very worried movie about the Dune movie. Um, I reckon the Dune movie would be pretty good, man. He was good, but he did Arrival as well, didn't he? Well, if you yeah, and It'd if you'd good. asked me, like, hey, will anyone be able to do a Blade Runner sequel without fucking it up completely? I would have said absolutely not. Like, there's no way anyone could do it. It's just going to be like it's going to be entirely fueled by nostalgia, and it won't have any substance, and it will just exist because people want. Like people think that a sequel will make money, but yeah, um, but no, it's it's really really good. Um, so yeah, oh that's good. There you go. I watched that too. I think that's pretty much it. That with my busted back, I've been playing a shitload of my Switch. <laughs> um, I watched <laughs> the, main, the the only thing I've watched this week, man, <laughs> is a documentary about Helvetica. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> you doing all right? <laughs> it was really good. It was really good. That's more worrying. Yeah. You know Helvetica's everywhere? Yeah. No. Yeah. Fonts are a thing where like... <laughs> I feel like I... I feel like if I devote any more mental energy to think about fonts than I already have, it's just going to ruin my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they, I'm going to like learn more about it and then I'm going to think about fonts more often than I do and that's, oh man. And that's not going like, to be a good thing it was like right up my, well, half of it was like right up my alley and the other half was like just filming like cityscapes and pictures of signs that are like this is Helvetica too oh, yeah, which, is, which is fine but like um, the thing that was most interesting in the film was like they interviewed people that's fine. it's Helvetica <laughs> yeah it was a lot of that <laughs> um but which is fine. But like the most interesting bit of the film was they interviewed like people that make fonts, and they interviewed like people that. Um, What's someone who makes a font called? Uh, a fontelier. No, I don't know. But it's it's some pretty, <laughs> it's some pretty. pretty fontelier Tutori, the <laughs> video game series about managing a shop. <laughs> <laughs> it's atelier. Fuck yeah. <laughs> um. No, I don't know. I mean, clearly, I wasn't listening to the uh, the documentary, probably. But you know, the people that you know, people that make like typeface and that, and they were interviewing this guy who like designs typeface now, and uh, you know, we talked about like all the angles between the different parts of all the letters, and he was saying like, look how like the top and the bottom of the C are perfectly parallel, and look at the look at how the shape of the curve inside the lowercase a with Helvetica creates this like interesting white space, and like. Oh man! Yeah, all this like, <laughs> all this shit that I can't possibly parrot back. That was fascinating to watch. Well, there's and like then the, yeah. the thing that was right up my alley was the bit where they were talking about how like Helvetica was made in like 1960 as a font. Yeah. So like all like the fonts 
were made like ages ago and someone's had to like digitize them all. So when they originally used to make fonts back then, they would like sketch them, them or they would like um yeah, like for like forge them and carve them out of like iron blocks. And the impressive thing about making fonts was that you could make, you know, the E block today identical to the E block you're making tomorrow. Mm. Crazy. And then but and they talked about how um Helvetica's like design philosophy influenced a whole decade or two's worth of designers and like culture because beforehand like if you look at all like the 50s magazine ads and leaflets and brochures and things that are typical examples of the time think of any old school like coca-cola ad with like a watercolor painting of like a like a you know lady or whatever um, yeah, yeah and then uh all these like hand-painted typefaces and stuff and when helvetica came out it was like this simplistic like perfect fucking font that just everyone used all over the place and it like brought in this new wave of like 60s minimalist design that's mm. almost kind of related to the bauhaus style of design and that kind of little thing. bauhaus um <laughs> <laughs> the rap rap is a designer now, <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, no, I think it was really it was really interesting, and it's it's on YouTube for free. Someone's just uploaded it. So if you look up Helvetica documentary after you've realized where you are in your life and just have accepted that, and you know, <laughs> realize that you you're someone that watches documentaries about fonts now, yeah, you can watch that and enjoy it. I think it's pretty. Well, good. I mean, yeah, it's, it's talking to a listener of the show, Mary, about um, friend of the show, friend of the show, upgraded. Friend of the show, Mary, about like the best. Well, she's the one who inflicted this uh, this Helvetica documentary upon me. Yeah, so it. like she likes, and I think you've spoken about this as well. That the best documentaries are ones that can give you an insight into something that couldn't give a fuck you, about, or, or that yeah. you wouldn't even have thought that there was a world of. Right. Yeah. I think that's that. Those are the ones that interest me the most. Is like a type foundry. The name of a place that creates type are foundries for typeface. Like that's a whole fucking there you thing. Go. Yeah. So like, I think. Fonts is a great example of something where you're like, hey, a shitload of human work went into that. And, like, it's built upon, like, decades and decades and decades of technological precedent. And it's used, it's it's incredibly ubiquitous. It's used everywhere. But you may never have thought about it at all. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and so that's kind of what this film is about. It's about like all the effort that went into uh, the font and the making of Helvetica specifically, mm. and just it's all these people just being like, "It's perfect, man!" Like <laughs> it's everywhere because it's just you like you don't understand. It's a perfect font. Like if if your idea in like back in the 30s or 40s or 50s was to create elegant looking letters, those fonts are really good. But if your idea is to create the most perfect white non font that you don't even notice when you're reading it like the most perfectly readable font that just fades into the background of whatever design it is that you're creating yeah it's just perfect yeah it's like good editing you just don't want it to yeah you don't even you want notice it to perfectly it. tell the story and convey tone but you don't want anyone to notice it at all and then there were people talking about the idea that if you use helvetica in your design for a poster or whatever it will just look good and a designer was talking about the idea that maybe it's because using Helvetica or using any font encourages you along the one specific path for a design philosophy. Right. Like, just the idea that if you use Helvetica, your design is more inherently likely to look like X just because that's kind of the, the, the feelings that using that font gives you in the same way as, like, um, you hear songwriters a lot. I think um, George Harrison, Ding, uh, talks about for a little while he was writing songs using the guitar. And I've heard lots of songwriters talk about this. That just for a while... 
your hand just after a while, your hands just sort of know where to go on your instrument of choice, right? And you can't think of anything original or anything new, or can't make up anything because your hands just know all these riffs. And so, several of the Beatles, specifically, I know, say that they enjoyed switching to writing songs on the piano, if only because it gave you an idea of like just a new way to move your hands to create music. Just the idea that like you didn't have some sort of inbuilt muscle memory for like what you could do with your hands to write songs, if that makes sense. Right. You don't have like natural ways that your hands are moving um, in the same way as you might if you're just used to playing guitar for 10 years. And in the same way, like they were just talking about how like the sort of muscle memory, no brainer type designs that you might come up with with Helvetica where there were people that were saying like, no, I don't even, I don't even use Helvetica anymore. <laughs> Which is apparently a big thing. So I just googled it to see what it to, just to remind myself of what this perfect typeface looked like. Yep. And I've stumbled across a Gizmodo article that says after 36 years, Helvetica gets a much needed facelift. What? Not needed. It's perfect. You can't improve upon perfection, yeah. baby. Interesting. So whoever owns Helvetica, and I'm not looking into who that is. It's some Swiss company that owns all the fonts. I'm actively ignoring that information. <laughs> so, like, apparently there were issues with the uneven kerning and the spacing. So, kerning is the spacing between letters and readability issues at small sizes. So, they've introduced a new font called Helvetica Now. New. Now. Spell it. N-O-W. <laughs> 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 I thought you meant How do I say that again, Helvetica. buddy? <laughs> There's another one called Helvetica Neue, which is the German word for new. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. When I said the N, you thought, I've got him here. <laughs> and then the OW, you should have seen your fucking face. <laughs> Very good. So anyway. Last time Helvetica was updated was in 1983 with Helvetica. <laughs> Do you want to spell that for you? <laughs> no, it's now. Everyone knows. All right. All right. I, think that's all, I think that's all I got. The other thing I've been watching a lot this week and just recently is the new season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, it was yeah. cancelled by Fox after season five. It was brought back onto the air by NBC for season six. And the new season's been brilliant. I think if you haven't ever gone in on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, that show is so fucking funny. Mm. I think it's one of the funniest shows on television. Uh, and it never gets old, in my opinion. The first few seasons are on Netflix. The newest season is streaming for free on the SBS streaming thing at the moment. And that's one of those examples of a show, I think you have kind of talked about how you really love just putting that on the background and kind of having it chug away. It's not something that you really need to be hyper-zoned in on, but it's really great to just like be listening to while you're playing something on your Switch or whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I go through a lot of old episodes of shows like that. This one specifically, mm -hmm. I like to keep up to date with all the new episodes because I sincerely think they're good. But um, yeah, I suppose it's the sort of show that you could just have running forever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's good fun to watch. Yeah. I think it's really good with like the um, representation of its characters where like... Yeah, it's great. Um, you know... There, like there'll just be people of all different Hispanic kind of actors like and ethnic yeah. backgrounds, but it won't it won't like define their character entirely. But they also won't ignore it completely. You know, like it'll come up every now and then, but not as a major thing. Yeah, hundred percent. So, yeah, they've that's got really like cool. um like one of the main characters of the show is gay, but it's never really like a thing. Like oh, look at this gay character. Yeah, I think you could probably study how it kind of like that that like active and passive inclusion of different kind of identities is really cool. Yeah, no, I think and it's a show I really 
yeah, I really enjoy watching it for all all, all sorts of reasons. Yeah. Like, I don't even think it feels like a dumb comedy when I'm watching it. No, it's something that, like, I, I don't really know why. I never really went in on. And it doesn't... I think the idea doesn't super interest me. Um, That's a police cop cop comedy. It's great. Yeah. It has... If anything, you gotta you got to go up... Um, I've watched, like, a f- an entire season of it. Um, I, I think it was really good. I just... It didn't grab me. So um, I don't really any, know why. Any listeners who haven't seen the show... Uh, the one thing you've got to look up is go go right now and Google Brooklyn Nine Nine Backstreet Boys. There is like a like a one minute cold open that they do before the show show starts every week, and they're always different. And the Backstreet Boys episode, hilarious. Right, it's a minute. Google it now. Welcome back. You're welcome. You can just put a link in the description. <laughs> yeah. Um. God damn. I, mean, I don't think I don't think I've got much else this week, boy. No, I'm good. We are. Heading up to Newcastle to visit a friend who yep. I think doesn't listen. <laughs> so fuck you, Angus, <laughs> if you're never hearing this. But yeah, um, so we'll be out of town. Don't know if we'll be able to do an episode for the, from the road or not. Don't know if this episode's even going to make it out. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll um, see. <laughs> May will be a <laughs> a post on the Facebook page that says, sorry guys, no episode this week. <laughs> Whatever we recorded was rat shit. <laughs> no... I don't know, man. We thought, you know what? Content is better than no content. This episode might be evidence yeah. either definitely, way, depending on how you sling it. Definitely could be used <laughs> to influence the discussion. So, uh, yeah. we'll Look forward to more content about actual movies next week. We're thinking about maybe watching maybe. Burning. We might try and yeah. watch uh, Avengers. Depends Burning what. looks incredibly fucking good. I'm yeah. so excited for that yeah. movie, man. Yeah, Hell yeah. It depends what kind of cinema they have in the middle of fucking nowhere where we're yeah. going next week. So. Do you guys have movies? Yes, but that one is Korean, and so no. <laughs> Uh, if you have any suggestions for anything that we can talk about, <laughs> our email address is always wide no, open. I think, I think there was plenty. I didn't have time, and neither did <laughs> you. Oh, I broke my back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, literally. Uh, you can email us, beefstationpod at gmail.com. Come follow us on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash beefstationpod. Thanks for joining us for another week. I'm Oscar. Uh, my back. I'm Andrew. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> <laughs>